Hello, everyone, and welcome to Richard Skipper Celebrates. Uh, this is a Friday, and I always like to wrap up uh, all of my Friday shows uh, on a positive note. Uh, but there's a lot going on in the world right now. And I feel that before we delve into today, today's show, I'd like to, first of all, acknowledge that and say that my heart, my thoughts, my prayers go out to anyone who is affected by the war that's going on in Israel right now. Uh, it's a terrible time that we're going through. And it reminds me uh, very much uh, of, for us here in New York, uh, when 9-11 happened. And a very interesting thing happened, and that will bring us up to why I'm still doing this show today. Uh, I had a friend that I was directing at the time. She was doing a show called Bedazzled by Broadway. And she was scheduled to open on the Thursday night and 9-11 happened on that Tuesday. As the world was falling apart around us, she called me. She didn't, none of us knew what was going on because the news was changing uh, so rapidly and so quickly. But she called me up and she said, Richard, are we going to do the show on Thursday night? And I said, that's up to you. Uh, whatever you decide to do, I will be there for you. Uh, if you decide to do it, I will be there uh, by your side. And if you choose not to do the show, uh, then I will respect that as well. She meditated on it and she decided that she wanted to do the show. So we went on that Thursday night and the audience, it was packed. Uh, everyone was there because they wanted to escape what was going on outside at least for an hour. That's not to say that they weren't forgetting. They were not acknowledging what was going on. But I think it's important for all of us to try to find these moments and things that we can celebrate uh, in the midst of this crazy world. I feel helpless. I cry a lot. I don't know what I should be doing or what I shouldn't be doing. Uh, and I only hope that I make the right decisions as I move forward with everything that I do. Uh, a friend of mine said that she felt uh, that it was difficult for her to promote a show that she had this week in the midst of what was going on in the world. And I told her that if she stopped what she was doing, the terrorists once again win. So we have to go on with our lives. We, And that's not to say that we're not acknowledging what's going on. Uh, so I just hope that for the next hour, uh, and that I can give all of you who are tuning in today, a little solace and know that we're all in this together. And knowing that we are all in this together, I'd like to bring on my dear friend, Ann Kittredge. Uh, she's always there for me. Uh, and we're gonna talk, we're gonna get a little upbeat in a few moments, but I just felt that it was important that we start the show by acknowledging what's going on in the world. It's a difficult time. Yeah, you know, literally just before um, I got on here with you, Richard, I had just got off the phone with one of my friends who is Jewish and she was, I just said, you know, how are you handling things? And she said, Anne, she said, I just got a message from my cousin in Ireland and in, in, uh, in Israel who is uh, in dire straits and bunkering down and hiding. Um, and she's worried about me because of all the major threats to Jewish people for this specific day. So, you know, you just hear them, you go, she's in Israel, but she's worried about, you know. know. Yeah. yeah. 
it's it's a, a crazy time, but uh, <laughs> I, I wanted to. We're going to get on to our topic uh, du jour. Uh, it's very interesting because I don't know about you. Uh, today is Friday the thirteenth. There is a believe it or not, uh, there is a phobia called Triskaidelphia phobia. Do you know about this? I have heard of it. Yes, yes. <laughs> and it's people who are afraid of Friday the thirteenth. Uh, Valerie, who is going to be on in just a moment, she said this has always been a lucky day for her, and mm-hmm. I know that a lot of people and. God bless Danny. He lives with me and my superstitions because I am superstitious. And there are a lot of things like don't have peacock feathers uh, on stage or in the theater. And when I see peacock feathers, I went to see a production of Dolly and she walked out with a headdress made of peacock feathers and my heart stopped. And (laughs) and Danny knew exactly what was going on. And someone had given me this book. Uh, called Supernatural on Stage, Ghosts and Superstitions of the Theater. And when they gave me this book, Danny was like, why are you giving him this book just to freak him out with more superstitions? So I want to ask you, do you have any superstitions when it comes to the work that you're doing? Yeah, you know, honestly, I was raised in a generation where superstitions were very strongly held you know, about having the light on in the theater all the time and you don't speak that Shakespearean play or you have to walk out of the room, turn around three times and spit. I mean, can then be reinvited back into the room. No shoes on the table. I have to tell you, I ha- I would still adhere to that today. And, and, and part of me while I'm doing it is like, oh my gosh, this is so silly, Anne. But, <laughs> but just in case... I'm not going to stop. You know, what I mean, like I've done, I've done well. You're not so going to take chances by uh, by whistling in the dressing room, right? Yeah. Uh. Uh-uh, uh. Right. And by the way, for those who don't know why that superstition is there, it used to be before they had a sound system in theaters, they would pass uh, information to each other with whistles. Did you know this? No. And, I thought, okay. And I, I, I thought a different thing, but keep going. And whistling could cause a sandbag to be dropped if someone hears the right or the wrong whistle at the wrong time. So that's why it's bad luck. Uh, Peacock feathers in the theater are bad luck because of the supposedly evil eye that is in each feather of the peacock. So those are that. That was a new one for me. I didn't know that one. No, I created my own too. Which uh, you know, I'm gonna now say this, and so now every time, anytime forward, if 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 you know, theater owners hear this, you know, they're gonna they're going to um, arrest me. But um, I have this thing where I have insisted on going up to the fly level of every single theater that I've performed in. Every single one. And, you know, actors are not supposed to go up there. But early in my career, it was just fun. And like, you know, the crew would love that an actress wanted to. Right. And now, of course, it's like you can't go up there. There's like da, 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 da. And I still figure it out. I still quietly. It's like that is something that is my superstition I've created for myself. <laughs> that I have. Let's go to the opposite end of this. Do you have certain rituals that you do before you go on stage? Uh, before I go on stage, oh, absolutely. Um, I, I chant, you know, I'm Buddhist. Um, and, um, I am one of those people, uh, it depends, it it 
totally depends on the show. Each show will have its ritual. So um, it depends on the character. It depends on what my engagement is with the audience and or with the actors. Like for instance, if it's a show in which there's no fourth wall, then I'm gonna purposely be out uh, among the crew and everybody beforehand intentionally keeping myself engaged with them so that I have that energy to bring onto the stage and bring to the audience. On the other side of it, if there's a pretty solid fourth wall, I am going to be rather self-contained and really, really focus on, you know, where what's the world that, that I'm bringing to the stage and stuff like that. So there's things like that. I used to have a ritual of eating Rolos, uh, having one Rolo before I went on stage until I realized that it wasn't great for singers. So I had to stop that. Um, I do have a, you know, even when I don't need it, uh, I have a zone, I have a zone vocal zone. I have a vocal zone in my mouth whenever I'm on stage performing. Wow, wow, wow. Uh, well, you've got a lot coming up. Uh, you and I are good friends. So mm -hmm. full disclosure there. Um, and and I know a, a lot about your personal life. You know a lot about my personal life. We're not going to talk about personal lives. Uh, but you have a lot going on right now. And you are a mom. Uh, with two kids that are in college. So God bless you. Um, but let's talk about the performing stuff that's coming up. And then we're going to bring on uh, Valerie in just a moment. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I've been focusing the last several months on this new album. The, the last album um, was so unexpectedly successful. And I'm not kidding. I mean that people, I mean this, it, nothing was supposed to happen with this album, but it just got into the right hands fortuitously and, um, and just a lot of wonderful, wonderful things happened with it. And, um, about back, uh, back in January of this year, uh, Randy Klein, who runs jazz heads, who took my album on, uh, said to me, he said, we've got to build on this. He said, this is incredible. You need to get back in the studio. So I did. And yes, there it is. That's my album cover. Yeah, I know. Gene Reed. Gene Reed is brilliant. He's just, just gorgeous. Brilliant. But anyway, so um, so uh, we're doing this backwards. The last time we, we released the album and then we released singles from it over the course of the year. This time we're releasing singles up to the... Um, the uh the uh the the release date the release date come going out in, in the spring of 2024 and so we've got two releases coming up uh in the next month one is uh that one that you just saw and then the other one is a christmas song um that christopher denny and barry kleinbort and i arranged this is so cool this is for anyone who uh wants to get into recording um Randy Klein just really strongly feels that when you are um, working on an album, you should always record a holiday song because during the holidays, people aren't listening to the regular music. So to keep yourself out there, you throw out, it's, it hasn't, doesn't have to be part of your album. You just throw out a single, a holiday single. So I learned that from him and we're doing that again. And then um, the, this this um, uh, album, Romantic Notions, is leading into. I have uh, a show. Uh, Romantic Notions is going to be done down at the Arts Club of Washington in Washington D.C., which is where I think um, I think I could be wrong. Alexander Hamilton lived there. 
or James Madison. I, I swear it's one or the other, one of their homes. I should know that, but I don't. And then we are bringing that show to Birdland May 14th, which is very, very exciting. That's great. Now we're going to bring on our next guest, but those who follow me on my Friday shows, uh, you know that I have mystery questions laid out. Uh So there are three mystery questions. So uh, pull a number one through three, and then we're going to bring Valerie on. Lucky number three. And the question is, what do you regret when it comes to your art not doing when you were younger? Um, I regret... Wait a minute. I have to ask you, is it relation related to the create creative component of it or the business component of it? Either or. I think I regret that I was so I've I've struggled with shyness over the, the course of my life. And I regret that I would so immerse myself in the work that I absolutely completely ignored building relationships. Um, that could have helped me along the way. I've I've learned that lesson since then. But when I was young, um, I, I think my shyness compelled me to just dig into the work, um, you know. And and I do regret that. Okay. Well, let's bring on Valerie. And Valerie, uh, this is the return for Valerie uh, because she was on the show. We did a full show with her uh, about two years ago. Valerie, can you believe it? Oh, my goodness. That was my favorite show after my musical showcase. Thank you so much, Richard, and thank you for inviting me back. Well, I want to ask you, I mean, is there anything that we're going to piggyback off of this that you regret not doing when you were younger? When it comes um, to your art. Yeah, all the things. I just I wish I just jumped into all the things. I listened to limiting beliefs that came from my dad and my stepmother and I wish I had just jumped into the deep end, which is really my style anyway. So, yeah, just be me, you know, be truly authentically me. Um, And I started to veer away from it at such a young age. And I wish I had just kept going. Now, I know you told me earlier that this you consider Friday the 13th to be a lucky day for you. So Um, 13 is my lucky number and 23 is my magic number. And I live at a house number that has 23 and 13 in it. And then it has my grandpa's name. So I consider myself to be very lucky. Uh, My dad used to call superstition stupid stition. So I'm not so much into the like bad luck stuff, but I definitely adhere to the good luck. <laughs> I somebody put, put uh, wrote it, my response to the show today said I am not superstitious. It's bad luck. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. And I love that. So, uh, but uh, you are one of the busiest women I know. Uh, you, I, I mean, you do. Tell us about healing out loud first of all. And then I want to know if you have any rituals before you walk out on stage. Um, Yes, I, uh, I do. Absolutely. I have rituals for just for the daily. I have a morning routine. I have an afternoon routine and I have a before bed routine. And like Anne mentioned, there's chanting and meditation. There's uh, visualization. There's brushing teeth. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Basic. All of those things. All of so tell us about healing out loud. 
So Healing Out Loud is the tagline that I've chosen for Healing Arts Theater Foundation, which is my nonprofit that covers the documentary that I'm working on about female healers. It's also covering the musicals, such as the Me Too musical, the one about sexual abuse survivors. Um, I'm working very hard right now on my one that's for families of all abilities. It's called Again Again, and we have a nonverbal autistic child as one of the main characters. We also have a puppet kind of a Muppet style character. And his name is Mr. Blueford, and he sings the thoughts and feelings of the nonverbal autistic child. In a bigger picture, he represents when we don't have the words to express how we feel. Or maybe we've been silenced. We've been told, shut up, be quiet. Don't tell anyone, it's our secret. Um, and so I'm really excited to bring that one forth. I've paired with an organization in New Orleans and I've, I'll be doing a um, fundraiser and also offering that organization as further support. So that's one of the visions that I have for my nonprofit is to bring up topics that are difficult to talk about, they're prevalent in our society. I create the safe container so that we can begin the healing process and then I connect them with organizations that are local to them that they may not know about or they may not realize that they have access to those resources, that there's already funding, um, and so I'm very excited about that project. And then I'm also doing retreats. So I'm hosting retreats. So for example, we would do one that's for nonverbal autistic children and their families. And then we would cater everything to that. And instead of trying to make the child more like us, we would try to be more like the child. Let's see what it's like to communicate without using our words. And sometimes words get in the way. Mm -hmm. So it's really mm -hmm. exciting to open up our eyes to another perspective. Uh, someone sent me a, a clip this morning that I watched and it was John Mulvaney who was recently on Stephen Colbert. And he was talking, you know, he's gone through rehab. He's been sober for three mm. years. And he has an entire show built around his addictions and beating them and going through those. Um, but he said it was a lot easier for him to go in front of 300, 3,000 people and talk about his issues than it is to talk one-on-one -on -one with someone. Do you find that that's the same thing for you, Valerie, in terms of getting your message across to so many people? Yeah, I mean, you know, intimacy is, it's a whole nother level. It's, you know, when, when you feel like you're without, you go within and that deepness is, it's a thing, you know? Like it, you can go wide or you can go deep. You can go deep and wide. That's the ideal. But yeah, definitely one-on-one -on -one is a deeper connection. It's, um, you know, you're, you're diving in. And well, um, yeah, thank you for that. Uh, we are going to bring on Pamela Morgan. I see you, Pamela, in the wings. So uh, we're going to bring Pamela on. But before we bring her on, uh, there are two questions, uh, one or two. Number one, please. And the question is... What was the word? Uh, well, I'm going to change this because I want to be positive. What was the best experience that you've ever had telling your story in front of an audience? Mm. Just being so widely received and having so many people um, share with me that my message and my sharing made them realize something that they had been dealing with that they may not have known how to articulate it. 
And so to give other people strength and length to be able to connect is really my mission and my purpose. So it be very grateful when I can help people take that next step towards healing because we're all in this human condition together and spoiler alert, nobody gets out alive. That's true. That's true. <laughs> now, I wanted to be, I, I, I'm so excited because Pamela Morgan is waiting in the wings. Now, Pamela and I were actually working together when COVID hit. And so, but you're bringing the show back, Pamela. And I am so thrilled that you are bringing this show back. Um, as you can see, bringing this up again, it's one singular sensation, which you are. Uh, but I love the uh, reason why you went with this title, because I know the story very well. Uh, we want people to come see your show, obviously. Uh, but tell them why the title, One Singular Sensation. Well, I don't want to give a spoiler alert, but um, when I first came to New York from Texas and I wanted to be in show business so badly as a dancer and singer, my agent submitted me to the um, touring company of Course Line. And I went to the Schubert Theater and tried out for it. And it was one of the most incredible experiences of my life. And I'm not going to tell you the ending. I know it. I know it. I know it. <laughs> but it's an interesting ending and one that you probably would not expect. <laughs> but you, I mean, well, I want to be very careful with how I say this uh, because I don't want to give away anything. Yeah. Uh, but you, you went complete. Uh, you went in a different direction uh, uh, without giving away too much. Uh, why she went in a different direction, you have to go see the show to find out. Uh, but you uh, have become quite the uh, party expert in terms of all things, in uh, both with the presentation of the food and everything that that entails. How did, and you talk about that in the show as well. Right. Uh, so what can we talk about, Pam? <laughs> well, I mean, we can talk about that I... Um eventually segued from performing into uh, having my own catering business and that I did it for many, many years until I decided that I wanted to perform again. So that's when I started creating a one woman show, which really is the story of my life. But my catering um, was something that I loved. It was a fantastic career for me. I had a very big business and I did catering all over New York and the Hamptons and catered for everybody from Martha Stewart to President Clinton to um, all of the fashion houses. And it, it was a very exciting time for me. Um, and then I sold the business many years ago and I started doing special events only. So hiring other catering companies to come and do the events instead of me, um, which was also very fulfilling in its own way. So I've been in the food and entertaining business for a long, long time, and I love it. I'm just passionate about it. Well, you know, it's, it's sometimes when you have been away from something for so long, and then you come back to it, 
And that passion, I'm sure, is even stronger than it was when it was first there. Um, but for those who didn't know you as an entertainer, uh, what was that experience like for them to see you up there singing and dancing, I might add, uh, and when they were not used to seeing you in that? I think uh, people just still, they they can't believe it. <laughs> They're like, you did that? Um and they, they don't know that I really had those talents. Um, and that's why it was so much fun to create this show. And also it inspires people to really, because this was on my bucket list and I have wanted, I wanted to do a show for such a long time and I just really didn't know how. And um, when I met Mark Nadler, help me pull it all together because he directs my show. And so I think that I inspire people that you got to do what's on your bucket list. You, you have to because otherwise it's not going to happen. So it's fun to be able to inspire. Well, like I said, Pam and I, I we were going to do a number together in the show and we had rehearsed and we'd gone to the studio and we'd had a couple of yeah, rehearsals. That's right. And we were, you, the following week, we were going to open the show and then COVID shut everything down. I remember leaving the rehearsal that day and coming, do you remember the phone conversation you and I had? I do, I do. And we really didn't know what was going to happen. We didn't, we had no idea that they were going to shut the world down. We were all frightened. We were all scared and we didn't know. And then a few days later, boom everything. What yeah. did that do for you psychologically? I mean, all this work had gone into this and then ooh, it was gone. Oh, wow. That was a very depressing time. I think for all of us in the yeah. world. And uh, I didn't perform again until last year. So June 7th was the first time I performed since COVID. Yes. And how did that feel to you? What? How did it feel getting oh back? Oh my God, it was wonderful being on stage again. It just felt so free. And I'm just so happy to be able to do this show again and have an audience to perform too. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. Well, you know, I want to mention to Barb, I can see her name in the wings, but Barbara, your camera is not on. So figure out how to get your camera on, Barb, and we'll bring you on. And there's one question left, Pamela, and I'm going to give it to you. And it says, this is going to, I'm going to put you on the spot. This is your therapy uh, session today. Uh, <laughs> Share something vulnerable with us that you care about to deepen our, your connection with everyone who's watching. So something that's going on that you want to really address today? Uh, very vulnerable. I'm, I'm not sure that this is it, but my husband has been sick for the last six years. Oh. And um, I've been taking care of him. We still don't really know what's wrong with him. Uh, he's just been, I've been to so many doctors, it's crazy. He just had an operation on his throat last week, and um, I helped him through that. And then just last night, he slammed his finger in a taxi cab and oh. broke his finger. And I was at the hospital 
all day today. I just got home 15 minutes before this interview, well, in fact. God bless you. Uh, and this this well, happened suddenly because I received an email. Uh, I got up, believe it or not, at five o'clock this morning. And when I got up, I'm checking my emails and there was a message from Nora. Right. Your publicist. Yeah. And I said, oh, my God, ask her if she'd like to come on the show today. And you said yes, in the midst of everything else. So you are a trooper. I am a trooper. I have to do, <laughs> in the midst of all this insanity, I have to do something for myself. And you know what? It feels just so good to have something to concentrate on. And it's something that makes me happy. And singing and dancing makes me happy. And it makes an audience happy, too. Well, that's wonderful. And I hope that Barb's going to be able to get on because Barb Bailey, we want to talk about her upcoming show as well. Guess what? I mention it and she pops on and there she is. Barb Bailey. <laughs> How are you? I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> you've had, I know you've had a little uh, difficulty getting here. So take My a deep breath. <laughs> My computer right, but... decided to do an update starting at 10 minutes to four. Oh. Oh, uh, I mean, so I just bad. now got on. Okay, hi everybody. It's on. Hello, By asking you, it is Friday the thirteenth. Are you superstitious at all? No, uh, I can't be because I was born and raised on twenty acres of property. You know, out in the woods in West Virginia. And oh. And, and there were ghosts everywhere, of course. I mean, on 20 acres, you know, and, and we had dogs outside that would bark at them and everything. I mean, that sounds crazy. But when you live in the woods, you 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 just stop being worried because, you know, they're out there and you just hope that they like you. <laughs> I grew up at a tobacco farm in South Carolina. Nothing surprises me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Barb, you have a show that's coming up. Uh, you're going to be at Don't Tell Mama again. Am I correct? Well, we haven't really talked about it. I can't disclose that yet. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm going to be um, at Vibrato in two weeks, which is Herb Alpert's nightclub in Bel Air in LA. That's great. Okay. So, I'm very excited. It's my second time this year. But Barb, you were on both sides of the uh, equation. Uh, you are an entertainer yourself. Yes. But you also have your own agency. And how did you get into that aspect of the business? Okay. When I graduated from college, I came to Chicago. And I graduated with a degree in English and a minor in abnormal psychology. Now go figure, what am I going to do back in those days? And they wanted to be me to be a secretary, but I wasn't a secretary. So I ended up becoming a DJ in a club on Rush Street, spinning wow. records. <laughs> yeah. and, then, and then a couple of years later, one of my the people that used to come in all the time said, Barb, you know, the way you handle this room, the way you cook, you really, you really need to come work for me. And I said, well, what do you do, Bobby? Because everybody knew everybody back then by our first names. And that was it. And he said, well, I'm a music producer down the street at Universal Recording Studio. And I said, yeah, right. That's the best one I've heard in my lifetime, right? Mm -hmm. But he really was. He said, come try it. If you like it, you can leave the hangout. And I loved it. So I got into the music business as a music producer's rep. 
okay? And we did jingles for five years. And then he and Brenda moved to Nashville and I packed up all of my worldly belongings and I moved to LA. When in an entertainer's life, there's a fork in the road uh, for a lot of people. Yeah. LA or New York. Yes. Why, why LA instead of New York? Oh God. I mean, because I knew people there and I didn't know anybody in New York. And when I played Don't Tell Mama two years ago, I still didn't know anybody in New York. Isn't that, it's terrible. And I'm so sad about that because I, I had the best time in New York. I stayed for a week, went in with a dear friend of mine and I, I can't wait to come back. I can't wait to come. You you brought in an audience. I mean, not really knowing anyone here in New York. How were you able to bring that audience in for all the entertainers out there who were struggling to get audiences that live here? (laughs) I don't know. Facebook. You know, you right, guys. I'm I'm on Facebook. I use it um, to promote my my other clients because yes, I have clients here: Chicago, New York, Nashville, Las Vegas, and L.A. and New York. Do you know Lenore Raphael? I represent her. Yes, I do, as, as a matter okay. of fact. Now, is it, I mean, the world is changing constantly. Yeah. I mean, and uh, God help us all. Uh, I, the SAG after, I mean, talks have shut down again. Mm-hmm. Uh, God only knows how long this is going to go on. The CEOs, by the way, for those who are not, uh, who are, uh, not aware, walked away from the negotiations. The ones that are making millions of dollars are the ones that walked away. Um, What's the biggest change since you first started your own agency uh, that has happened in the industry in terms of getting your artist seen and out there? That's really a good question. Um, A lot of changes. And uh, as I said, I, I book mostly performing arts theaters, you know, and nightclubs and festivals. And all my life, I've been doing this. I only started performing 10 years ago. And so all my life, I've been a manager and an agent. And I love it. Um, But it's changed radically. First of all, ever since COVID, a lot of people died. I know. I hate to say this. And the ones that didn't die, a lot of them got out of the business. You know, they were older and they retired. Mm-hmm. It's really true. And so <laughs> I am sort of building my Rolodex. Remember those? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, still, I still call it my database. Yeah, so, I'm still yeah, doing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's my database, too. And I'm still building the darn thing. And I thought I was done. But I'm not. I have to start all over. And, you know, who I'm, I'm trying to book against, Live Nation, AGT and Ticketmaster have all dipped down because I'm in the middle. I'm not at the bottom and I'm certainly not at the top as a booking agent. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But unfortunately, we're talking about, you know, the top um, promoters in the world have dipped down into my area. And so now they're promoting, you know, people that I would never, I mean, Beyonce and people like that to, to the theaters that I'm promoting my people to. So it's really become daunting. I'm a 24 hour, 24 and seven hour girl. Wow. I work work constantly. I always did. But, you know, I never thought I'd be building my Rolodex again. (laughs) 
Well, I learned something this week that I'm going to share with all of you in terms of marketing and promoting on Facebook and Twitter and everything. So you're learning this here that you're probably not going to get anywhere else. But when you're posting something on Facebook, you know, social media boils down to three things, like comment and share. And a lot of people are saying, I post things and nobody sees it. Well, the reason that a lot of people are not seeing things There are people out there that are working behind the scenes, believe it or not. And if you put a link into your uh, posting, uh, Facebook frowns on that because they don't want you leaving Facebook to go to another site. So what you should do, and this is the tidbit, everybody, when you do a post, uh, don't put a link, just put the information about the show. And then when you get 25 likes or more, come back and put the link in and the link will go to all the people who have responded. Wow. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. There's one, you know, we've done our mystery questions. You were late coming in, but uh, I don't know if you could hear us while we were, you were waiting. I could, Um, but this is the next question. What is the best compliment that you have ever received in this industry? It would, it would have to come from my peers, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, you've done it. I mean, you're here and and welcome and I love you. That would be the biggest. That's great. From my peers. Well, we're going to do a little round robin type of thing that I do on Fridays. Um, This is based on my readings and writings of this week. I do my morning pages every morning. That's my ritual. Uh, Julia Cameron. I learned that from the artist way. And uh, so as I am working throughout the week, things that pop up uh, that I think, well, I like that. And I'm going to use that on the show on Friday. And I'm going to start with you, Anne. And um, the question is, how do you feel? uh, Or, I mean, um, let me rephrase this. How do you, well, how do your loved ones describe you? My daughter thinks I'm a witch. (laughs) She really does because she thinks I'm crazy prescient. She just cannot believe my timing when it comes to anything. Like she's just always like, how did you know that? Why did you call me right now? Like she's always like really shocked. Um, And my son says that I'm weird. And, uh, and my husband, you know, this sounds so cliche, but my husband adores me 38 years. We are, we have the most tremendous relationship. So I'm and very I will attest to that. I love Bob. If you're watching, I love him. Hmm. So I, I love both of you. <laughs> I'm getting choked up. Um, <laughs> Valerie, uh, yeah. tell me about a place that captured your imagination. Uh, and your heart when you were a child? Oh, oh, as a child? Hmm. I would say Pemaquid Point. I really enjoyed the waves crashing and the lighthouses and, yeah, the water and the earth, the way the rocks were formed, receiving the water, all of that. I like that balance of the air, the earth, the water. That's wonderful. Um, 
Thank you. Pamela, in this business, and I'm talking about the work that you do on stage, who would you feel that would be your greatest mentor that you've gotten the best advice from? And what was that advice? Well, I think Mark Nadler. Um, he directed my show and he gave me the courage to go up there and do it. Mm -hmm. Because I don't think I've ever been so scared in my whole life the first time I did this show. So, yeah. And flipping the coin, do you feel that you have been a great mentor to others in this business? In this business? Um, not really, because I'm so new in this business. Mm -hmm. So, no. Okay, okay. Um, and uh, with you, Barb, uh, what is stopping you from doing what you truly desire to do? Or are you doing it? I'm doing it. Oh, good. good answer. I love, I love everything that I'm doing right now. I love my life. It can always be better. We know that. Right. Mm -hmm. But um, I love performing. I only started 10 years ago and I feel at home there. It's such a great feeling. I've always loved being behind the scenes. I, I love writing. It's my number one thing. I'd rather write than do anything in the whole world. And then after that, it's equal with the booking, the managing, and the performing. And I'm having a ball. I'm living my dream right now. Of course, it isn't perfect, right? Well, <laughs> and that's I, why we work so hard, because it's not perfect. Yeah. Well, I love the fact that you're living it. Uh, Anne, uh, what's the one choice that uh, renders 1,000 other choices irrelevant? Uh, I guess love. That's good. Yes. Yeah, that's good. And you live it. I know you do. Uh, Valerie, um, have you been uh, de uh, deferring any major decisions in your artistic career lately? Um, yeah, I did have a little bit of a setback this year when I lost six people who were very close to me in a period of nine weeks. And I had to realize that the pressure that was put on me was put on me by myself to keep moving forward and push through it. And once I allowed myself the grace and the space to grieve and to uh, return to my passion and purpose, it, it, it changed everything. It shifted everything. And now everything is just magically aligning and redefining. And I'm, I'm very excited and I'm grateful that I had the wherewithal to give myself that reprieve and say, Valerie, it's okay to grieve and it's okay to do things in your own time and believe in really the divine timing of the universe. So that's where I'm and I'm really sorry about the losses that you've endured. Thank you. So, thank thank you. you. Um, up here. Pamela, what was the best question that you ever asked in this business that propelled you forward? Oh, my goodness. The best question that I asked, right? Mm -hmm. Um. I asked my dance teacher, I remember this, this is a long time ago. Mm. I asked my um, dance teacher what I needed to do to propel myself forward, basically. And she said, 
you have to believe in yourself because you mm. are a great dancer. And that is exactly her quote. And did you believe her right away or did it take you a while to get there? It took me a while to get there. But you got there. I did. I did, basically. However, I just realized when I have been in the whole process of doing this show that I um, that I had um, oh, dyslexia a little bit because I always found it very hard to remember um, the combinations and right and left. And nobody really talked about dyslexia then, but now they do. And so I think that was so difficult for me because it took me longer to learn the combinations back then. But now that I look at it and I see that I really had dyslexia, I can forgive myself. And, um, and I, I just feel so much better about what I really did accomplish back then. That's wonderful. And you were accomplishing things. I mean, the, you, I, well, again, I don't want to give away too much. But uh, choices were made for you, and then you made your own choices right. based on some choices that were being made for you. Um, Barb, uh, as we wrap up this week, um, I'd like you to name three things that you're grateful for in this past week. Oh, in the past week? <clears throat> Can it spill over into my life? Yeah, of course. Absolutely. Right. <laughs> okay, great. Um, Okay, I was a baby found in a cardboard box when I was a week old. Wow. And every day of my life, I'm grateful that I didn't go to that orphanage because I was a ward of the state for, of West Virginia for one month hoping my mother would come back and claim me, and she didn't do it. And so they were putting me in an orphanage, and that same morning... Lucretia and George Bailey. No kidding. That's really <laughs> George Bailey adopted the Tally Ho baby, sight unseen. So I was supposed to go to the orphanage at 10 in the morning, and they were in the judge's office, you know, saying, please, please let us adopt her. We don't, we don't want her to go to the orphanage. So I am grateful for that every single day of my life. And I pay it forward. I pay it forward my music, whether I'm in front of the scene, front of the stage or behind it. Um, I try to help as many people as I can in this business. It's been a real treasure to be able to do that, you know, to help people. Uh, Barb, do you mind my asking? I mean, how old were you when you found this information out? All my life, um, two years after I was adopted, they adopted a little boy from an orphanage. And then they didn't, you know, they didn't think they could have children. And then two years after that, they had Bruce, or they had John. So it was Barbara, Bruce, and John. And I knew all my life. And <laughs> what mom always said, she said, you were special. We, we picked you out, you know. That's how, because they knew that everybody in town, because it was a small town, 65,000, everybody in town would know that I was found in a box, right? Big, big news. And so they wanted to prepare me for that. And they did. And so it never bothered me at all. I, 
I just held my head up and I was proud and, and grateful. And I still am. Well, speaking of proud adoptive parents, Anne? Yes. Really? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Yeah. And, you know, when uh, when our kids were little, um, I, uh, I think one of my favorite moments, um, it happened with both of them, but the, the first time I had it was my daughter. And, you know, it came out of my mouth and it wasn't planned, but it was so true. Uh, she was around five years old and, and she we were walking from school and she just looked at me and she said, mama, I wish I had come from your belly. She actually said that. I, I stopped and I I bent down and I looked at her and I said, honey, I said, I would have been happy to carry you in my belly. I said, but if you had come from my belly, you wouldn't be who you are. And the world needs you as you are. So I'm really happy that you are who you are. And uh, I, I really meant it. I mean, you know, it, didn't, it was never, ever important to me how our children came to us, never. You know, it felt very spiritual. And, and uh, yeah, we, we feel, you know, they're our mentors. <laughs> yeah. And they are, they are. I love them both so much. I love both of your uh, children. Um, and when you were a kid, what did you desire to be when you grew up? Or were you always going to be in this business? Oh, God, no. I was going to be a nurse. My mother was a nurse. I thought that that's what you're supposed to do. I, I had no idea that I had a choice. I thought that my a nurse. Oh, okay. I'm going to be a nurse. <laughs> that's it. Uh, Valerie, um, did you grow up in a spiritual household? I know that you're very spiritual now. I'm very spiritual. No, it, it wasn't a spiritual household, although um, my grandmother, I grew up with my grandmother and grandfather and my great grandmother and great great aunt and my mother and brother. So having four generations of people, I think, makes it somewhat spiritual in and of itself. Um, there was a lot of love and a lot of sense of, of family. But um, I, I really discovered the path of spirituality on my own. Um, but I wanted to mention my grandmother. I mentioned her in our interview before. She was an activist and she marched for women's rights and she marched for human rights. And um, so I think I admire her spirit the most. That's amazing. What's her name? Janice Greer. Oh, that's wonderful. Uh, and uh, Pamela, I... Do you feel that uh, there is a spiritual thread through your career or are you spiritual at all? I'm very, very spiritual. (laughs) And uh, I believe there is a presence. I believe there is a God. Um, I meditate every day when I get up in the morning and I believe things happen for a reason. And oftentimes we don't know what that is, but yes, I am carrying through my life with that feeling that there is something much bigger than we are. Uh, And that uh, you just triggered an idea for my closing remarks today. Uh, Barb, uh, what led you to your current work? Uh, And I'm talking about, uh, you talked a little bit er earlier about the trajectory to get you where you were, but what led you to getting on the stage (laughs) 10 years ago? 
All right. So I did a booking and it was a Davenport's. If any of you have been to mm -hmm. Chicago, right? Anne has. Mm -hmm. And it was and and Richard has. Yes. And so, yeah, and I, it was back in February that I did the booking. And um, I didn't know what I was going. It was it was for the month of December. Right. So I had a lot of time to think about it. Well, six weeks before December, they called me and said, Barb, we need to know the name of that show and we need to know this and that. We need to get it on the website and we need to sell it. I said, I have another call. I'll call you right back. I I realized I'd forgotten that I'd booked a show. And, you know, there's a no cancellation clause, right? So mm -hmm. I hung up the phone, as I said, and I called somebody I was managing who is 22, D Dakota. And I said, Dakota, how would you like to do a show with me? And here's why, Richard, because all of my clients locally had just done their big show, right? And I knew that they wouldn't get the audience that they needed. And so I called him and I said, because he was working a lot in casinos then. I said, how would you like to do it? So it was called um, Through the Eyes of a Music Agent. Oh, wow. And so the audience came because my friends, it was during my birthday in December. And so we turned it into a birthday party too. And it was him and it was me and he would sing songs and I would sing songs. It was crazy. And, and they liked it. And I would talk all about being on the road <laughs> with him and just hilarious. We all know, right, what happens in backstage and auditions. And, and so that's what the show is all about. It was about this relationship I had with my client who is 22 years old. And I still have him. He's 35. He's <laughs> in Vegas now. <laughs> but that's how it all started. And darn if it didn't catch on. Can't believe it. That's wonderful. Well, I'm grateful. <laughs> yeah. Well, I want to thank you all for being here today. I hope you've had as much fun as I have had. Um, and I'm going to give each of you a chance to have your closing remarks today. Uh, it could be about anything that we spoke about that you want to build upon, anything that we didn't talk about that you wish we had, or just any final message you want to leave for everyone who's watching today. Um, when you finish, you'll pick the next person and so on and so on. And then I'll end the show when the last person says goodbye. Um, when I was in church on Sunday, and yes, I go to church, uh, I was uh, the we had a visiting priest, and he was telling the story of the watchtower and the cornerstone in the uh, watchtower. And as I was listening to this story, I got to, my mind started to wander, and I was thinking that all of us are cornerstones, mm -hmm. and that all of us are cornerstones for ourselves. Uh, for our friends, our family, uh, and we've talked a lot about family today, uh, and uh, and also uh, friends and foes, everybody we come in contact with. Uh, we are all responsible for what we're putting out in the world right now. There's a lot of anger going on right now, and it's not happening just overseas. It's happening here, and uh, people will post their thoughts or their feelings about whatever they're feeling. And then 50 people want to jump all over them to tell them that they're wrong for what they're feeling when there are better ways of addressing it, I believe. Uh, a lot of people are on edge. I believe that there's a, a great book 
uh, called Fahrenheit 451. Mm. And in this book, and I just read it again, um, if you remember the book, it also it not only talks about books being banned, and this is many years ago, but it also talks about everyone walking around staring at screens all the time. Uh, Biden said the other day in his speech, put those phones away and be aware of everything that's going on around you. And I think it's the message that we need to take with everybody every day. Uh, be aware of the people that are around you uh, and not just necessarily about yourself, but what other people are going through as well right now. I end all my shows by telling everyone to go out and do something nice for somebody else without expecting anything in return. Go to your Facebook friends list. I know we're all on Facebook. And uh, Pamela, you and I got separated on Facebook. We did. Yes, yes, I found out today. I left Facebook for five months and a lot of people that were friends of mine, somehow we got unfriended. So please friend me back if you don't want oh, to. Sure. Yes, but I go to Facebook, everybody, and I want all of you that are, uh, that are part of the show today to do the same thing. Go to your Facebook friends list and go to the seventh name that pops up in your feed and reach out with a phone call. Not an email message. Not a text message, not a private inbox message, but a phone call. And let that person know the impact that they've made in their life. I also want to acknowledge someone else that I loved, loved, loved in the cabaret world, and that was Stephen Lutfett. And I was out on Tuesday night when the word came in that he had passed away. It's a year older than I am. And... Uh, and I've known Stephen and love Stephen for years and years and years. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, A Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder uh, uh, mm -hmm. on Broadway. And it took him forever to get that show and uh, up on Broadway. But he made it. He got it there. Mm -hmm. And I was so thrilled when he was nominated for a Tony Award. Uh, but I see this outpouring of love uh, after the fact people posting pictures, people posting their favorite memories. And I thought if we could all do that with one person every day, it'll really make a difference in terms of how we interact with each other. Uh, my dear friend, Sean Moniger, he says, we're all in the same storm, but we're in different size boats. And I always say, I don't care what size boat you're on, <laughs> as long as you have a skipper by your side. Oh, and with that, I'm gonna leave the screen and Barbara, I'm gonna turn it over to you. And when you finish, you'll pick the next person. Thank you all. And I'll see you all tomorrow night at mm -hmm. five o'clock if you're around. I've got the incredible James Beeman on the show. Oh. And he's got quite a story. So tune in tomorrow night. And Barb, it's all yours. Um, I'm sorry. I have to take this phone call. It's for my husband and the doctor that we were with today. Oh. So I'm going to uh, say goodbye. And thank you, Richard. So thank you, Sam. I'll take you off. So you don't have to worry about it. Thank and you. Thank you. Nice. Barb, it's all yours. Just really quickly, when we go out into the world, remember to love one another. I mean, it's so simple. And it's exactly what Richard's talking about. And we can't wait. Look what's going on in the world right now. And we just need to reach out to people. There, there are people that are, we call them in the business haters, you know, and they're out there too. And try to understand them as well. A lot of that's insecurity, isn't it? And a lot of that is jealousy. And those are terrible emotions. And they make people do terrible things. 
And I know it's hard sometimes. And I'm very, very religious also, Valerie. And and also, Anne, I know you are too. And I, I just think about that all day long. And, you know, nobody's really better than anybody else. I think we were all born with a, a star quality inside of us, but not everybody has uh, found it inside of themselves. They spend too much time on the outside looking instead of on the inside. So that's all I want to say. But, you know, God bless you all. It's so nice to be with you. Nice meeting you, Valerie. Nice, nice. to meet you, Anne. I'm a, I'm a fan of both of yours. So this was great. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah. Now you pick one, Barb. Pick one of us. Oh, okay, Anne. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, all I have to say, I, I've been during this entire hour, all I've been thinking about is I wish very sincerely, I wish that Valerie and Pamela and Barb and I were in the same state so that we could get together because I think we would have the most incredible lunch together. Uh, really, I just felt like, wow, what three powerful substantial women you all were. And I know I am too. So um, I'm giving an open invitation that if you guys are in New York, I'm going to make sure that Richard gives you my contact information. I would love to host you all and for us to get together. I just really, you, this was very nice and I, I, I loved it. Thank you. Valerie, it's all yours. All right. I just want to say, Love begins within, so love yourself first and let it expand from there, and thoughts become things, so think about what you're thinking about. All right, love you all. Mwah. Wishing you the best, and Anne, I can't wait to see you in New York shortly. Mwah. Bye for now. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.